0: Thanks you guys. Good morning. We're going to be in Exodus uh, chapter sixteen. If you'd like to turn there with me, Exodus sixteen. Is this on? Am I good there, Dad? Can you hear me, guys? Testing, testing. There we go. Good morning. Exodus chapter sixteen is where we'll be this morning, and uh, we're continuing in our series. Lord, teach us to pray. Going through the Lord's prayer, and um, we we call it the Lord's prayer because it's the Lord the, the, the prayer of the Lord gave us as a model prayer uh, that you and I could structure our prayer life around. Uh, but it was certainly never intended to become uh, a prayer of repetition that was prayed meaning- meaninglessly. Um, so as we, as we approached this topic, we started just before the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 5, or Matthew 6, uh, verse 5, and talked about how not to pray. That's how we started our series, how, how not to pray. And that we shouldn't pray like the hypocrites who love to stand on the street corners in order to be seen by people. And, and Jesus said that, that they have their reward. That's their reward. They get to see, be seen by people and applauded by people. And that's what they wanted. That's what they get. And don't pray like the pagans who babble, right? They babble or uh, repetitiously, thinking they'll be heard for their many words or their eloquent speeches or their uh, c- constant reciting of the same thing over and over. Uh, don't be like them. That's That's the encouragement for you and I to not pray in that way. And Interestingly enough, we we focus in on the Lord's Prayer, and we learn it as children, and we begin to repeat it, and repeat it, and repeat it. And eventually, for some, it could become pretty repetitious and meaningless. And it's interesting that right before the Lord's Prayer, He says, don't do that. I'm going to give you something, but don't do this with it. So we've spent the last several weeks breaking it apart, starting, of course, with how not to pray. Then we went into the model prayer, and it says, this is then how you should pray. And the first three petitions uh, are, are things that we we want to talk about God we want to lift up God we want God to be exalted by the first petition was what our father we said our father in heaven saying you're you're holy you're God you're a father you're a father of us all who have been grafted in to the family of God the body of Christ through Jesus we say your name should be honored as holy right we want you to be holy or hallowed be your name and, and at the end of that there's there's three petitions hallowed be your name Your kingdom come and your will be done. And the final tag on earth as it is in heaven applies to all three. It can connect to all three. So we say, God, we want your name to be honored as holy on earth as it is in heaven, right? In heaven, angels are resounding back and forth to each other, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's being revered as holy uh, all the time in heaven. We want that here. So we're asking that that happen here and it start with us. Then, God, your kingdom come. On earth as it is in heaven. We want your kingdom that is established and is, is going now uh, to come here. There's, there's glimpses of it in your people. There's glimpses of it, glimpses of it through Christ and, and his rescuing us from sin and, and forgiving us. But, and ultimately, we have this knowledge that he will one day establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And, and there will be a day, won't there, when he wipes away every tear and there will be no more death and sorrow or disease or pain. And we will be in God's kingdom. And then we say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we talked about last week, and we talked about three aspects of God's will. We said his sovereign will is part of God's will. And a sovereign will is that what God wants to happen will happen no matter what. That's his sovereign will. And that happens in heaven, and that happens on earth no matter what his sovereign will occurs. So the the prayer isn't so much to pray that his sovereign will be done on earth as it is in heaven because we can't thwart or change God's sovereign will. It's great to acknowledge and say, God, you are sovereign, and, and I humbly come before you as sovereign, but let me, let me appeal, God, to your compassionate will. And we talked about like, the scripture when it says that God's not willing that anyone should perish, but for all to come to repentance or to eternal life. It's He's not willing, right? Well, if that was God's sovereign will, no one would perish, right? No one would, no one would, would reject Christ. Everyone would, would be in heaven one day. But that's not what's revealed as truth in Scripture, that, that people will be presented with a choice, an opportunity, and a stirring of the heart to believe the gospel. And we are encouraged to believe the gospel, to believe the good news of Jesus Christ, and to be rescued from our sin. And then on Judgment Day, there will be those who, who, who then cry out, Lord, Lord, and He says, I never knew you. You never, you never said yes to me. And it's too late now. So we know that God's sovereign will is not that everyone will be saved. But it's his compassionate will that everyone is. So there are things in this world that he rejoices over. And there are things in this world that he has compassion over and grieves over. And the things that he grieves over, you and I should grieve for as well. And as we enter and, and, and uh, communicate with God in prayer, we should be partnering with him and saying, God, this is a miss. This is, this is not how it should be. God, we want to pray against that. We do want to pray for healing. We want to pray for restoration. We want to pray for, for a better relationship. We want to pray for those things. And and sometimes I said last week, we get stuck, right? We get stuck at His sovereign will. Oh, it's God's sovereign will. He'll do what He wants to do. He'll take care of it when He wants to take care of it. And, I, and that was for me. I shared it. That, that was my heart. I got stuck at times just saying, God, you're sovereign. Do what you want to do. Well, I don't need to pray so much. God's like, I want you to pray. Pr- prayer works. There's, there, there's a connection between the Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, and His children, you and I here. And In some way what, that I don't know, and I told you last week I couldn't figure out, in some way... When we participate in prayer, appealing to God's compassionate will, He hears our prayer and He answers our prayer as He sees fit. That there is a connection between our prayers and God moving in and amongst people by His compassionate will. So we should appeal to that and say, God, this doesn't look right at all. This doesn't feel good at all. I want to pray against it. I want to pray that what you want would happen here. And then we say like Jesus did in the Garden right of Gethsemane. But not my will be done, your will be done. Right? But we can still partner with God. Then we said there's another part of his will, there's the revealed part of his will. That when we go to God and we say, God, I'm coming to you in prayer, and we model our prayer life after him, and we humble ourselves, we say, God, not my will be done, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are saying, God, what you have revealed to us as truth in the scripture, what you have revealed to us as a way to live. That we, that we will come before you now asking that your will, your revealed will, your commanding will revealed to us will come to my heart on earth as it is in heaven. That as heaven and all of heaven and, and the saints and angels obey per- perfectly Jesus Christ, that I will align my heart with his will and do it too. And I said, sometimes we get stuck at his compassionate will. Yeah, I like to pray that this goes better and, and this person gets better and my relationship gets better with my boss, but I don't, I don't like to take that next step, do I? And say, God, and, and line my heart, and help me to do what you've asked me to do. Because God has revealed his will to us, and it's in the scriptures. So we've got to pray that. That's a big prayer, isn't it? That's tough. I, don't, I, I mean, I, I told you last week that it wrecked me, right? And afterwards, we've been talking to different people all week long how I, I know you've been wrecked too and kind of stirred in some ways. Like God is really working on us, and that's great. I, I love that. It's, we're going to get in for a doozy again this week, Okay. So we've talked about three petitions that exalt God. God, may Your name be, be honored as holy, right? May Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, and may Your will, Your will, not my will, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's a posture of humility. Well, we continue that posture, but Jesus t- t- uh, turns turns the channel and kind of shifts on us a little bit and says, "Let's let's move from this exaltation of God and God and, and go to let's let's talk about Your needs." Today, we're going to be talking about our daily bread, right? Give us this day our daily bread. So we're able to shift our hearts and focus on that. But here's, here's what's interesting as we look at this today. As we come before God and start talking about our needs, it, we don't elevate ourselves now. Okay, God, we, we exalted you. Now, we gotta, now it's our turn. When we go before the King of Kings, the creator of the universe, petitioning him to supply for our needs, we have to understand that we are coming before the creator, and we are the creature. We are coming before the one who's all-sufficient with all of our insufficiencies. We who are the creature are in need of what he has as creator and supplier of those needs. So it continues a posture of humility as we go to the Lord praying, God, give us this day. Father, give us this day our daily bread. Okay? Now I'm going to do something different today. Usually I'll, I'll pray and we'll read through the whole passage together. I'm going to take it old school a little bit, and we're going to do a responsive reading today. And, and how many of you have ever done a responsive reading in church? Like, like eight of us, right? Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, first service did great. Okay, let me pray. I'll pray for our day, and then we'll 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 do this fun task together. Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing God, and and Father, as you have given us this model prayer through your Son Jesus, may may you impact our hearts in a deep way. May we see. God, just the place you want us to be, on our knees, humble before you, exalting you in all that you are, desiring your kingdom and your will, and God, knowing and trusting that you are a gracious God and going to supply all we need for the power of your Holy Spirit because you are a loving Father. We thank you for that. As we read today, as we study your text, God, may you, may you open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to it. By the power of your Spirit, we ask that you would challenge us and change us, God renew us, break us if we need to be broken, but bring us into alignment, bring our hearts into alignment with you, that we would be conformed into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray, amen. All right, so a responsive reading, uh, it oftentimes was in a hymnal, and you'd open a hymn and you'd find it in there, I, I've put it on the screen for us today, it's a reading through our text in Matthew, starting in verse 5, and going through, uh, through the Lord's Prayer, so this is what it looks like, I think, right here. So I'm going to say the, the words that are in white, and you are going to respond back together in unison, right? In unison, Mike, with the yellow. And then I'll read the white, and you read the yellow. So we're going to, I'm going to read the first white one whenever you pray, and you guys are going to read the f- first yellow phrase as a practice. You ready? We're going to practice this together. <clears throat> Stretch going. Are we ready? Okay. Whenever you pray. Good, good. Very good. Okay. I think that was a good practice. More volume for sure than first service. I like it. Okay. That's, we're going to go through the whole thing now. You ready? We'll, we'll nail it. Whenever you pray. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. But when you pray. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. When you pray, Since they imagine, they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Therefore, you should pray like this. Your kingdom come, give us today our daily bread, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Good work, you guys. You did really good. I'm proud of you. All right, so we're in Exodus chapter 16, and hopefully you've turned there in your Bible. If you don't have one, you can grab a Bible out of the pew rack in front of you, Exodus chapter 16. I should probably turn there as well. So we are going to be talking about uh, the next next phrase in our prayer, uh, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, and uh, in looking at what, what does God provide? What, if, the, if we're going to our Father who is in heaven, what are we asking for? What are, what are we knowing that He is going to provide for us? So ex- Exodus chapter 16, we're going to begin in verses two, uh, 2 through 4, and we're going to go then into 12, 18, and I'll, and I'll guide you through that. So here's number one. What does God provide? Well, our Father provides for our needs. So as we approach Him and say, Lord, give us today our daily bread, we are trusting that He is going to provide for our needs. Here's Exodus, so you're going to follow along, chapter 16, 2 through 4. The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, uh, the Israelites said to them, if, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat, sat by the pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make us make this whole assembly die of hunger. Right? They're, they're complaining, right? They're, they're grumbling, right? They're, they wish they were back in Egypt, right? Now, now, let's get a little perspective here. We're talking about the Israelites, God's people who were enslaved in Egypt. That they were enslaved by, by this wicked Pharaoh who was causing them to do whatever he wanted but then he he would give them food so he fed they were well fed but they weren't free there was no freedom there and God came through through Moses used Moses and Aaron and rescued and and of course the plagues we see in 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 the scripture and he rescued his people out of Egypt now they're in the wilderness and now they've been rescued from slavery and they're so so happy aren't they no they're complaining they're grumbling they're going we we're hungry We, we were better off in Egypt and really? Were you? I don't know. So God's like, oh, God's going to respond to this. We go to the next verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. So that, and we'll see that connected here in a few minutes. Now jump down to verse 12. We're going to read 12 through 18 together. Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. I think it's really important for us to pause there for a second. As he goes out and says, Listen, I, I'm the one that's going to provide for you. God says, I'm the one who's going to take care of you, I'm, I'm going to make sure your needs are met. And I'm going to do, I'm going to, so I'm going to give this to you so you know that I am the one who provides, that I am the Lord your God. Then in verse 13 it says, so, it, so at evening quail came and covered the camp. In the morning, there was a, a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the, on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. Moses told them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as, as each person needs to eat. You may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people uh, of you, that you have in your tent. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot and some a little. When they measured it by quarts, uh, the, person, the person who gathered a lot had no surplus, and the person who gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. Now, this is God providing. You gathered a lot, you only had what you needed. You gathered a little, you had what you needed. God continually providing for their needs. Now, jump down to verse 31 towards the end of this chapter. The house of Israel named the substance manna. It resembled coriander seed. Uh, It was white and it tasted like wafers made with honey. this This is what they were provided with. God provided for their physical need. Now, there was certainly a lot more going on here than physical need, and we'll see that today as we progress. But we have to understand that, first off, God said, I'm going to pro- provide for your need. I'm going to take care of you. You will not starve to death. That is a promise I am making to you. But as he, as he did say that, it, it wasn't so much about the manna, right? It wasn't as much about the manna as it was about the God who was their Lord and the God who would provide for them. So it's so important for us to realize as we go to the Lord in prayer saying, God, give us this day our daily bread. We are going to the God who actually can give us our daily bread. And we trust in Him for that. We trust in that. So it's about Him. It's about what He's going to do. There was, uh, there's a story I, I read um, preparing for this about refugees and about orphans during the Korean War. Now, I'm sure this is true uh, across the board in all kind of world wars or conflicts, world conflicts going on. But during the, during the Korean War, there were uh, orphans that were in this orphanage, orphaned from the war, and, and they were, as they were in this orphanage, they would be fed during the daytime and interacted with and cared for, and then they would go to bed, and, and they were having trouble sleeping at night, and it wasn't because you, you think, oh, well, bombs are going off, and, and they lost their parents. I mean, those are probably some issues, but, but ultimately, they asked eventually, why are you losing sleep every night? And they were worried. They didn't know if they would eat tomorrow. They didn't know if they'd be provided for tomorrow. So, what they did, the, the staff in the orphanage, what they do every night, as they tuck the kids to bed, they would take a, a, a biscuit or a, or a piece of bread and they would place it in the hand of each child. And each child would go to sleep soundly with a security blanket, knowing that they would be provided for, that they would be well fed. And for us, the Lord is teaching us you can and should. Depend on me to meet your daily needs and not on yourselves. God is saying, I will take care of you. I will meet those daily needs. And he is faithful to do that. I want to read a text from Psalm 37. It says, and David says this in the, in, towards the end of that chapter. He says, I've been young and I'm now old. Anyone can relate to that? I mean, don't, no, don't show your hands. I've been young and I've been old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Or his children begging for bread. This is a promise from God that He is going to take care of us. He is going to, to be there and say, I, I'm going to provide what you need. So when we pray, give us today our daily bread. It should be from a heart of reliance on him, but it should also be a heart of expectant thanksgiving. And when we pray to God, our faith should be a thankful faith, knowing He is going to take care of us today. That He is going to provide for us today. I want to read the passage out of Philippians to you, uh, Philippians chapter four, verse six. We always think about this, right? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. That's kind of the the, the paraphrase of it, right? But there's more to it than that. It says, "This it says, don't be anxious about every anything, but in everything by prayer and, and petition or requests, right, um, with thanksgiving." That sandwich in the middle there, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And he goes on to promise that he'll answer. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But there is a, when we go to God in, in, with a faith-filled prayer, knowing that he's our provider, there's an amazing thankfulness that should well up within us. That We say, thank you, God, for providing. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We may not know exactly what it looks like, but we know exactly who he is and what he's promised to do. That's our God. Now, so much could be said, and we can go on and on about how God provides physically for his people. We have to move on, but I want to just, I want to mention a couple things that relate to this still, that providing for our physical needs. One is this, when God created us, we, we were in the Garden of Eden. He had, he had made a garden, a place, a paradise for us that had everything we needed, and once sin entered the world, when Adam and Eve sinned, and they were expelled from the garden, death entered the world. And, and now what? Now in order to get food, we would have to what? Work hard. Till the land. Work the land in order for it to produce. But, but guess what God still did? He still sends the crops and makes the crops grow, and He still sends the rain to water those crops, and He still nourishes the planet that He created. So God, at the very least, right, which is a huge way, is providing for you and I, through what He's given us in creation. I know several of you and several of my friends who have, who have gardens, right? Who have gardens. I, I get so much so much zucchini during the harvest. It's like, I mean, do we ever run out of zucchini? If we're really taking on that, that, that role, like saying, listen, God's providing. Let's just go work the land and do it. We'll have abundant. We'll have abundantly from Him, okay? Now, continuing on, um, this is not about Luxuries. This is about needs. God has promised to provide for our needs. If we get luxuries, it's an added blessing. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But he has promised to take care of you in the food, water, clothes, and shelter. He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. And, And that goes a little further now. When I say you, those promises ring true throughout Scripture, and you can study this on your own more, but it rings true through Scripture about the righteous not about the unrighteous. And that's hard to swallow sometimes. I mean, God's not going to take care of every single person on the planet. No, He's, he's given them an opportunity to come to Him in faith and, and let, let Him be their Heavenly Father who will take care of them. He wants to graft them in to the family. But many, many reject. Now, for you and I, when we are not children of God, the Scriptures say we are children under wrath because of our sin. We are enemies of God. And we may be able to have plenty. We may not. When we're under wrath. Because those under wrath, there is judgment there. Okay, and God is working to make all things new and right and draw, wanting to draw people to himself. But for you and I, the provision of the Heavenly Father, our Father, right? The provision of our Father is our Father, not the Heavenly Father. It's our Heavenly Father. Our, the ones who have been made righteous through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection and our faith in him. Our Father takes care of our needs. We saw that in, in Psalm as well when David said, I've, I've been young and old, right? But I've, seen, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread, right? So we're not saying, you, you see what I'm saying? Like we're not saying everybody. This applies to everybody. There's a lot of people who are, are starving out there and, and, and we should show love and hospitality and social, social justice, go for it. But God is there to take care of his children who have come to him by faith. Finally, he's a good father. He's a good father and takes care of us in, in, in major, mighty ways. And, and the scripture tells us, like, th- like comparing to, to earthly fathers, worldly fathers, how many worldly fathers, if their, their daughter or son come and ask for a, a loaf of bread, will give them a rock instead, right? Or ask for a fish, will give them a serpent. It says, come on, that's not going to happen, right? How much better, scripture says, how much better, how much more of a good father is God, our heavenly father? He wants to give us good gifts as a father. He he loves us and wants to care for and provide for us. But we go go further than that. So we go beyond just the physical needs. There's more to this manna than meets the eye. That leads us to number two. The Father provides us with his word. The Father provides us with his word. Uh, Turn to Deuteronomy with me, would you you please? I know it's a weird sounding book. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. We're going to look at chapter 8. In verses 1 through 3, what was this manna all about? What was the manna all about? Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3. It says this, Carefully follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase, and may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your fathers. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness, so this is after, right? So that he, so that, so that he might humble you and test you and know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. So let's pause there for a minute. God's provision, he'll provide for us, but he is constantly wanting us in return to humble ourselves and trust him, humble ourselves and obey him, humble ourselves and exalt him. He is our provider. Look at verse 3. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then He gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known. So that, here's the reason, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Right There is, there is sustenance and there is real sustenance, and life is found in and through the Word of God. And think about Jesus' temptation. Jesus quoted this passage when He was in the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days, and He was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And He said, man, you got to be hungry. You've been out here a long time. you got to be starving. I'm, I'm sure, like some of us right now, our, our stomachs are growling, right? It's about noon. It's afternoon, sorry, right? And we're, we're ready to eat lunch. So hungry. And, and He's like, well, you're Jesus, you're the son of God, and you've got all authority and all power, and you got the angels on your side. Just, if, you want, if you're hungry, turn that rock into a loaf of bread. No big deal, right? What did Jesus say? Man does not. He I said, I, it is written. Man does not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? So we certainly live on bread, but that's not what it's all about. Job 23 tells us this. He says, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Food is important. We have to have life and and make sure that we receive it with thankfulness. But but what's more important is our our spiritual condition. This passage and these passages are teaching us that that God has designed physical needs for us. And, And we want to have sustenance, but those needs point to a deeper spiritual need a need for Him. Our need for daily sustenance is a faint echo, right? A little echo of the daily need for spiritual sustenance and deep satisfaction in God and His Word. That's what He's created us for. And that ultimate satisfaction can only be filled by Him and what He offers. And that that leads us to the next point. So before we get there, though, I I really want you to understand this this is huge, the Word of God is huge. It's rich. It's vital for spiritual sustenance. And when we pray, and, and you say, I know that, Brandon. I know. We, we, we get to that. I, I get there. I get in there once in a while. When we're praying the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, what does He say? He says, give us what? This day our daily bread. What day? Today. We're praying about that today. Lord, I want that bread today. Not only do I want you to sustain me and provide for me, and I'm trusting and thankful that you will. God, you've given me such a rich, sustaining thing for my soul. I want it. I want to break into it. I want to tear into it. I want to eat it because it will nourish me. This word is so important every day to renew your mind in. Not just on Sunday when you come to church and I open it and read it to you. You follow along. But every day that we have renewing our mind with the word of God. That it would change us inside. The next thing the Father provides, number three, He provides us with Jesus. The Father provides us with Jesus. So yes, He'll provide for our physical needs. Yes, He'll provide us with nourishment from His word and commandments that we can delight in those and walk in His ways. But then Jesus said that He is the bread of life. That He is the true manna sent down from heaven. He's God's ultimate provision for our heart, for our lives. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 6, if you would. We're going all the way to the New Testament now, and the New Testament starts with Matthew, and then Mark, Luke, and then John. If you turn with me to the book of John, if you made it to Acts or Romans, or some of those little letters, you've gone too far. We're going to look at John chapter 6 together. It's interesting how these, these sightings of the manna, these ideas of manna, all kind of come together. But John chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, is where we'll be. We're going to read a lot. I want the Word to stand on its own today. I, I don't typically, like, well, maybe I do overwhelm you with, with the Bible, but I don't typically overwhelm you this much with the Bible. But we're going to read God's Word and really see what Jesus says about this provision that God has made for us. So we understand God is going to provide. We trust God has provided. We're thankful that God is going to provide to meet our needs. And then we say, God, we, we trust that, you, that we don't live on just bread alone. We've got to have more for our soul. So we dig into the Word. We learn from you. And, and guess, guess who that Word points us to? Jesus Christ. The Word. 6.25 and following. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where did you, or when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I, truly I tell you, uh, you, are, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one that he has sent. Pause real quick, real important. That's what God wants you to do. God is is letting you know and saying, listen, you, you are the creature. You are not the Savior. You are in dire need. All of us are in dire need because of our sin because of our own selfishness, because of our own pride and ego, we are all in, our, in, a, in a dire need of someone to rescue us and make us whole again and make us clean again. And that is given to us through Jesus Christ. Christ came as a man, God, fully God and fully man, and he went to a cross like that one. And he, and he allowed himself to be nailed there and, and to die there in our place. He died the death that I should have died. He died the death that you should have died so that we could be free By his wounds we are healed. He shed his blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. So he's offering to you and I who are filthy in our own ways. Some are more than others, but we are all filthy and needing of being cleansed by his blood, by his righteousness. He's offering it to us as a gift. He's saying, I'm I'm ready to give this to you. I'm I'm ready to give you real life. You think you need food? You think you have the word? What you need is Jesus Christ. Because only he can make you whole again. Only he can truly give you the sustenance that you need, the life that you need. There is a, a vacuum, a hole inside of each one of us that needs and is longing for, for Christ and because he is the bread of life. So he said, this is the work of God that you believe in the one that he sent. We believe in Christ, that we believe the good news, that we trust in faith, that he can fill us up because we've emptied ourselves of our own ego and pride. And we've hungered now, hungered, really hungered, For something to fill what only he can fill. Verse 30, what sign then are you going to do so that we may believe you? They asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, sir, give us this bread always. And he said in verse 35, I am the bread of life. No one, comes to, or no one who comes to me will ever go hungry. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those that he has given me, but should raise them up in the last day. There's this forgiveness and restoration, right? There's this wholeness happening. For this is the will of my Father, verse 40, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Because he died and rose again, we who believe in him, although we die, will also rise again that our soul, which is eternal, will live forever with him. Verse 41, great segue here. Therefore, the Jews started complaining about him. Just like us, right? We complain. Oh, that's too easy. That's too hard. I, no. What did he say? Therefore, the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them. Stop complaining among yourselves. No one, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day, as it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. everyone who uh, who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. he has seen the Father, so he's he right now he 's identifying himself as, as God all right in verse forty seven Truly, I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. And here's 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they what? They died. This is the bread that has come down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give Uh, for the, the, sorry, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Man, the Father's amazing, isn't He, with how He provides. He provides us with sustenance and nourishment. He provides us with His Word in order to guide us and direct us and fill us and sustain us. And then He provides us with His own Son, Jesus Christ. And His flesh is a sacrifice for us, the bread that came down from heaven that would give us, eternal life. So when we pray to God and say, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, we are saying we need more of Jesus. We need more of Jesus. We need more of Jesus. And we should be reminded, first of all, if, you're, if you haven't put your faith and trust and belief in him, you're probably not praying that prayer, but you need to. You need Jesus. You need to let him fill that void. You let, let him be the life that you need. So you'll never hunger and never thirst again. Let him be the bread that came down from heaven for you, who died for you, who came to forgive you. Believe, believe. And for those of us who have believed, we go to him with a renewed mindset, trusting and thanking him every day for the redemption he has offered us through the sacrifice he made on the cross. He has filled a hunger in us that only he can satisfy. Finally, number four. How does God provide? How can it get better than that? Well, I think we just need a reminder here of of what he's providing. He's providing a day at a time. He provides a day at a time. Turn to Matthew, please, chapter 6. A a couple books before John, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's where the Lord's Prayer is. It's a text out of the Sermon on the Mount. Actually, the the Lord's Prayer is a text out of the Sermon on the Mount, how Jesus taught us to pray. And later on in that same chapter, after he teaches us, this prayer. In verse 25, he he says something more about God providing for us. So beginning at verse 25 of chapter 6, Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky, They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field and how they grow. They do not labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, after all that, all we've been through, right? Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When we pray to our Father in heaven and we ask that he would give us this day, give us today, our daily bread, we are trusting that the Father in heaven provides for us a day at a time. That, that He is, and Jesus is, more than enough for us today. And I know I was, I was listening to a commentator or a pastor on this. He, he was saying he posted something about this, and Jesus is, is enough for today. And what, what do we want to say back to that? Not just amen, but we kind of add to that. Oh yeah, he, he's, he's more than enough, and, and He's enough for tomorrow, right? And, and he's, enough for, he's enough for the next day, and He's enough for forever. <clears throat> That's what we like to say. And this I mean, this whole, this whole passage really convicts my heart of how God provides and how we should humble ourselves before him. But this in particular has really challenged me. Because I, I'm one of those guys who's a planner. I plan out my calendar. I, I plan way in advance. I think ahead of the next sermon series and what's going to happen next week and and, and what, what worries I'm going to have to face then. And I, That's how I am. And, and, and over the last few years, I've gotten better and better at embracing today. You know, I, last week, I, I think I mentioned I had, I had several speaking engagements that I, I was... I had to be a part of, and, and of course, on Sunday morning, and it was, it was a big, full schedule, and I, I really just was happy in God, because He was reminding me that I'm enough for you today. I'm enough for you today, so I got to take each one of those days individually as they came, and embrace it, and embrace Jesus through the day, those days, and I was, I was the happiest camper I've been in a long time, because here's what I wasn't saying, man, if I can just get to Sunday at one o'clock, it'll be great. If I can just get to Sunday at one, man, I'll go home, and Take, take a nap. I don't know all this. All this veg. All this kind of, right? But I'm missing out on today when I have that mentality. And if I go to the Lord and say, "Lord, give me my daily bread," I'm asking. I'm saying He His model is, "Give me what today my daily bread." I need that today, not next week or not in the future. And because I have a lot of hope for the future, I know Jesus is coming back. I know He's going to establish His kingdom. I know I'm going to be in heaven with Him one day. Woo! I'm excited what about today what is he going to do to fill you up today jesus has promised to meet our needs today right now whatever you're facing whatever circumstance you're in and i'm i'm as guilty as of it as you are or or probably more i probably counseled some of you and said man it's okay i know this is a tough season in life right now but you know what will the page will turn the chapter this chapter will end and we'll get to the next one how dare we, right? How dare we think that that's where the, the end goal is when Jesus says, right now, I'm enough for you. And I want, to, I want the world to see that, that I can sustain you through the worst part of your day and the best part of your day. <clears throat> Jesus promises for today we to stop looking for tomorrow. You know, Jesus says, or it says in Hebrews that Jesus is the same, what? T- today, yesterday, and, no, it didn't say Tomorrow. What does it say? Forever. It doesn't say tomorrow. Why? Because his promise is for today. He's the same today. Oh, by the way, he was the same yesterday, right? He's been faithful. Everyone that that used to be called today, he's been faithful. And he's faithful today. And as a reminder, he's going to be that way forever. When this day flips to the next day and it's tomorrow, but tomorrow's today, he'll still be faithful. But stop worrying about tomorrow. Because we're standing in today, and and the promise that Jesus is enough for today has an expiration date on it. Today. Today. I I brought an illustration in. This right here. This is my backpack. it's a what it's a man bag bag, yeah so this is my daughter's backpack sure we'll we'll go we'll go with that every night after the kids go to bed my wife and i will make sandwiches we'll get their lunches ready put their snacks in there we'll make sure their homework and paperwork that they have on the table and hopefully they've already put it together but we'll make sure it's in their folders and in their bag for the next day We'll, we'll put out, make sure their socks are clean, and they're out there they're by their, their shoes, and, and we'll make sure whatever they need in here, their water bottle and the stuff they need for that day is all right here inside. And then my kids, we get up in the morning, we all, <clears throat> we're all up, and we're getting ready, and <clears throat> we're eating the bathroom, we're eating breakfast, and we're, we're combing our hair, we're putting our clothes on, we're getting ready to go. And, and just before my kids go out the door, just before we get in the car, we, they come over to the front door, they put their shoes on, and they come over to us, and, and maybe their coat, right? Because the coat might be in here, but on days like today and, and this next week, in the morning, they put their coat on right away. And, but the bag is there for later, and they can stuff their coat inside, right, and have that necessity. But they, they put it on, they come over to us, and right here, we put it just like this. They slip their little arms in each side, right, just like this. And, and it, it hangs just like that on their back. And I mean, they're, they're tiny, right? And the bag's about as big as they are. It's almost dragging on the ground behind them. <clears throat> but you know what this is? This is exactly what their mom and I have decided that is what they need for that day. And nothing more. Because this is all they need and this is more than enough for today. God the Father, our Father in heaven has given us Jesus Christ. And he is more than enough for today. So get up, put him on, and go with him everywhere you need to. And he will sustain you every step of that day. When we pray, when we humble ourselves and pray to our Father who is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. We are saying, I trust that you are going to give me everything I need for today. And we are thankful for that and ready to face today. My kids don't care about tomorrow. I mean, they, they make some plans or thoughts, but... They just, they just love the fact that they are going to be taken care of for that day, and they embrace it way better than us adults do. We need to trust Jesus that he is more than enough today, that he is our daily bread, that he will sustain us and nourish us with food, that he will give us his word to sustain us and nourish our soul, that he's given us himself as the propitiation, right, the person who took our place on the cross and gives us life because he's the bread that came down from heaven, and that he will do that every single day for us. Amen? All right. Let's stand together and pray. <clears throat> Father, we, we are just amazed at who you are. How you, how you love us and how you care for us. How you provide for every need of not only our body, but our, our spirit and soul that you have provided food and nourishment. God, you have provided the word that we could live by and and grow to know you more in, that you have given us Jesus as the bread that came down from heaven, as the bread of life, that you sacrificed yourself and poured yourself out, that we could believe in you and live and never be hungry and never be thirsty again. And God, as much as we know that, we tend to have a tough time embracing that today. So God, I pray that you would help us earnestly go to you seeking our daily bread, the bread that is enough for today. Give us a hope in you and by your spirit, enable us and lead us. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen.